Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Well, thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I'm Monty Larrick. Brigitte Gabriel came to America legally after Islamic militants destroyed her home in Lebanon. She's a conservative author and founder of Act for America, an organization dedicated to mobilizing the public as well as elected officials to take steps to protect America from radical Islam. Act for America is the nation's largest grassroots security organization. Go to actforamerica.org to find out more and be sure to sign up for their emails. Ms. Gabrielle is the author of three best-selling books, Because They Hate Us, They Must Be Stopped, and her latest, Rise in Defense of Judeo-Christian Values and Freedom. Ms. Gabrielle, you weren't always a conservative, but 9-11 changed that. 9-11 changed that. Um, I, I, when I left the Middle East, I thought I left all the crazies behind. I came to America and I embraced the whole Western woman empowerment. You go out there and get things done. And I became a businesswoman and I wanted to prove that um, I can be a mother and a wife and a businesswoman and have it all. And I was going after the American dream. 9-11 brought America and me to a complete stop. It made me realize my mission in life. It made me realize that everything I have gone through up until that moment of having to overcome the challenges in my teenage years as a survivor of terrorism, somebody who lost her home, ended up growing up in a bomb shelter, coming to America, making money, having a family, and I realized nothing matters if we don't have security. Nothing matters. And I am a 9-11 conservative. I woke up, I mean, I was always, you know, uh, my friends, I used to joke with them, and uh, my friend used to tell me, oh, Brigitte, you're such a conservative. And I would say, oh, my gosh, how could you call me that name? He said, how could you say no? You know, you're a capitalist. You're for a small government. You know, you're, for, you're such an entrepreneur. And I would say, yeah, but, you know, you know I, I'm a strong feminist. Of course, very different type of feminist than today. 9-11 made me realize that preserving our national identity, preserving our country, protecting our country, is the most important thing of all. And that's what turned me into an activist. And thankfully, on the right. You believe that Islam is a radical political movement cloaked in religion. But the radical regressive left, Muslims in America, would suggest that the same could be said about American evangelicals who voted overwhelmingly for President Trump. What's your response to that? There's a difference between people voting and exercising their freedom of speech while praying for their enemy, while praying for our nation, than those who uh, support and rejoice when terrorists bomb our country, dance in the street, and they wish to elect elected officials who want to change our country. There's a huge difference between the two. There's a difference when you harbor, support, fund, hide, and protect those who express their views on wanting to harm the United States, like the Muslim community where, and the mosques in America that harbored, supported, financed, and hid the hijackers, the terrorists of 9-11, and didn't say anything about them, and those who still continue to support terrorists who operate in our country, and those Christians who their biggest sin is actually voting their values. There's a huge difference between the two. I think most of our listeners and viewers are aware 
at least to some degree, uh, the threat that uh, political Islam uh, represents for America and Western democracies, but they don't know what to do about it. And that's where your book, Rise, comes in. Exactly. My book, Rise, was basically the roadmap to teach people, every person who feels helpless, who feels frustrated at the status quo, who sees our country falling down, just getting deteriorated, Rise is the roadmap for every one of those people to know what they can do, the power that they have as an individual to make a difference for the country. And RISE was basically the roadmap. It was basically spelling out what I do with my organization, Act for America. After 9-11, I started educating people about the problems that our country faces, especially with radical Islamic terrorism and why they need to be informed and keep their eyes out and, you know, uh, be careful, you know, monitor what's happening in the community. But I learned very quickly, Monty, that we can educate until the cows come home. Nothing is going to change. Education is important, but education by itself is not sufficient Education must be coupled with action. And I realized most people do not know how to act or what to do. So I wanted to give them an outlet. I wanted to give them ideas. And in my organization, actforamerica.org, we give people ideas on what to do as an activist. People can go to our website, sign up as an activist. It's free. It doesn't cost them anything. And we give them ideas. For example, every Wednesday morning, we send three in 10, three things you can do under 10 minutes that you can do them in the morning while sipping your cup of coffee. That will make a difference for the country. We notify them about bills in Congress. We notify them to take action steps against a corporation or, or whatever issue happening in the country. Those are the things that we teach people and that's what I spell out in Act for America, down to how to write a letter to the editor of your local newspaper. I even have the letter pre-written for them. All they have to do is copy it, put their name on it, and mail it to the newspaper. I went to the Act for America website. You suggest that just regular folks contact Congress people and tell them to protect the border, uh, implement immigration reforms, and uh, take action against sanctuary cities. Well, that sounds good, but it's easier said than done in the atmosphere, the political atmosphere that we're in today. Right. It's easier said than done. It gets done when our people get off the couch and actually do something instead of just praying for the country. I have a lot of friends who say, well, I'm praying for the country. Great. Wonderful. You're praying for the country. When was the last time you called your elected official and thanked him or reprimanded him or her on something that they have done that you did not agree with? Zero. When was the last time you wrote a letter to the editor? Well, amana, 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 nothing. They don't do that. When was the last time you showed up to a, uh, a, a group that's active in your local community that makes a difference in the local community? When was the last time you attended the city council meeting? Uh, amana, 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 nobody does that stuff. So what things begin to change when citizens become more engaged in what's happening around them. And that's why we simplify it for them with Act for America. Uh, to give you an idea, Act for America has helped pass 103 bills on the federal level and the state level to protect 
America from passing Free Speech Defense Act, protecting authors and writers uh, from lawsuits. Uh, we passed that in 11 states. Most We started in New York. And it was because people were making phone calls to their elected officials on the state level saying, I want you to pass the Free Speech Defense Act in my state. I want to make sure that journalists and authors are able to criticize people or ideas without having to lose their job, without being fired, without being faced with a lawsuit uh, because of their opinion. So now we have a law on the books in different states that protect people from doing that. That's just one example out of the 103 bills that we have helped pass. But it was passed because of the citizen activism, those citizens who said, I am going to call my elected official. Uh, for example, we passed laws um, in 13 states called the American Laws for American Courts, which says that no law that is not compatible with the U.S. Constitution would be allowed to be used in any American courtroom. And the reason why we passed that law is because we realized that immigrants who are coming here, specifically Islamic immigrants, started wanting to be judged under Sharia law. As a matter of fact, we have documented 143 cases that were judged under Sharia law in 22 states in the United States not in England, not in Belgium, not in France, not in Saudi Arabia. 22 states, 143 cases judged under Sharia law in the United States. Most people have no idea. So Act for America introduced a bill called ALAC, American Laws for American Courts. We passed it in 13 states. How did we pass it in 13 states? People who are signed up to our emails and action alerts as activists, getting the emails, calling their local state legislators, saying, I want you to pass this bill, I want you to sponsor that bill, putting the pressure until the bill got to the governor's desk, calling the governor's office, helping push that bill through. That's citizen activism. Well, this is a blue state, Illinois. What chances that bill have getting passed here? Well, we passed the form of it in Washington state, and Washington state is a blue state. There's always bills that we can pass in different states, and you will always find the moderates. You may not be able to pass ALAC, American Laws for American Courts, but you may be able to pass uh, an anti-FGM bill, anti-female genital mutilation bill. Uh, you may be able to pass a free speech bill or standing with our police officers. Well, not in Chicago, but, right. you know, unfortunately. But there's always something. At least you can start somewhere. Don't give up. I'll give you an idea. Sanctuary cities in California. California is a sanctuary state. And you heard about the, the wave in California where people started saying opting out of sanctuary cities, cities, cities opting out of the sanctuary program because people were showing up to city council meeting and saying, absolutely not. I want my city, my town to opt out. Right now, we are up to 23 towns and localities in California who already opted out of the sanctuary program. That was driven by activist members of Act for America who started showing up to city council meeting and saying, enough is enough, not in my city. Now, Illinois is a big state. Not every single county in Illinois is a blue county. So those who live in conservative areas, you don't know what, who are the other conservatives in your area. That's, that's why it's important to become involved in an organization that brings people together, that connects people together, that networks people together. You need to get out there, sitting in your home, praying, watching Fox News, listening to talk radio, and fuming about issues screaming at the TV. How are you going to meet other people who share 
your opinions if you're not expressing that outside of your home or even getting involved in an organization where you can meet other people. You can coordinate to show up to city council meeting and challenging your city council about different issues. That's why you need to be engaged and informed. President Trump seems to get the connection between terrorism and immigration. Half of America doesn't. How do we bring them on board? Well, one, we educate them. And two, we work with the president with the president to support and pass legislation. You know, it doesn't take many to change the world. It only takes a dedicated few. And I always teach my members, 2% of the passionate will always rule the 98% indifferent. It doesn't matter what the indifferent thinks. It doesn't matter that half the country doesn't get it. We need to mobilize the half that does that elected President Trump. What elected President Trump, the surprise election, is because people in those counties and communities that everybody forgot about them came out and voted and they voted in mass and in force. So what we need to do is become engaged. You don't need to educate. You know, they say a person convinced against his will is of the same will still. Forget about the convincing the unconvinced. Go after the choir and mobilize the choir. Mobilize those who already get it, who are informed, because these are the people who are going to be so fed up that they are willing to show up with you to city council meeting. They are willing to show up with you to city hall meetings and put their elected officials on the spot. They are willing to show up with you, knock on doors, pass flyers, uh, set up a table in front of a library, handing out flyers to people coming in. Those are the people that we need to mobilize. And those are the people who are going to put the pressure on elected officials to get bills passed. Well, is it your belief, I'm, I'm assuming you do believe this, that because of his stance on terrorism, strong immigration measures, that President Trump should be reelected? Absolutely. Americans know that they have a problem. And they have a problem when, um, when they watch the news at night and they see somebody killed by MS-13 gang member or somebody killed because an illegal alien uh, was a driving drunk. In general, the American public doesn't want to see that. They don't agree with that. Right. But this is why the message of President Trump is resonating with people. You know, we want the country protected. I can speak as a legal immigrant to the United States. Now, I'm all for legal immigration. Look at me. I'm a, uh, a, a Middle Eastern woman with tan skin. I came to this country. Uh, I want people to come here. We need the new blood, but we need them to do it legally and do it the right way. If you import good people, you end up with good citizens. If you import criminals who actually break the law to get into your country, what do you expect them to change and become saints when they are in your country? If they have no regards to your law when they come in, why are they going to obey the law? Don't drink and drive. Don't steal. Don't do drugs. Don't become a drug dealer. Why do you expect them to obey the law once they are in your country? Do we really want lawlessness in our country? And this is why you see legal immigrants like me who are so passionate about protecting and preserving legal immigration. We want immigration, but we want it to come here legally. And that's why people like me stand with a president who is enforcing the law. All right. Thank you very much. We'll continue our conversation with Brigitte Gabriel after this. Children are a gift. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. If only I had a nickel for every time someone said to me after hearing I have four kids, hey, don't you know what causes that? 
Behind that old joke today is an increasingly negative perception of children. From fears of climate change to our addiction to stuff, children are increasingly seen in this world as a burden to avoid, even to eliminate. That's why I was pleased to sign the latest statement by evangelicals and Catholics together called The Gift of Children. Children affirm God's creation is good. They compel us to serve a future we cannot control and to trust that God isn't yet finished with this world. The Gift of Children offers a radically countercultural understanding of children. It challenges believers to welcome new life as a witness to the love of the God who gave us life. Come to breakpoint.org and I'll link you to this powerful statement called The Gift of Children. Please read it, share it with friends, your family, and your pastor. Again, that's breakpoint.org. I'm John Stone Street. This is Illinois Family Spotlight. Monty Larrick with you. I'm joined by Brigitte Gabrielle with actforamerica.org and the author of uh, a great new book, Rise, You Need to Buy It. It's a book that will give you some insights about what you can do about the threat that Islam is posing right here in America. Well, with regard to Islam in America, why should our Christian and conservative radar go up when we hear words like diversity, tolerance, multiculturalism, interfaith? We are a nation who prides itself on our diversity. You and I are the first people who would say we are proud of the nation we live in that is so diverse, so tolerant. This is what makes our country rich. People came to this country from all over the world. They came here because they want to be American. So we do celebrate our diversity. We embrace our diversity and our multiculturalism. But the reason why right now we are concerned about people who wish to do our country harm using this type of language because they are using it to attack us. They are using to cover up and protect criminals to protect terrorists, to protect MS-13 uh, MS gang uh, members, to protect drug dealers who are basically using these buzzwords to be able to come to our country and say, oh, you can't discriminate against me. You know, you're supposed to be tolerant. You're supposed to be into diversity. And if you're not into diversity, you're, you're opposing me because I am a, a somebody from Honduras who came here. Uh, and never mind that I'm, you know, a member of MS-13 gang. You still have to respect me because we are a nation uh, of, of uh, diversity. This is why our antennas go up. Plus, our antennas go up because we know when it comes to radical Islamic terrorism, the Muslim Brotherhood wrote a plan. And the Muslim Brotherhood is the oldest terrorist organization in the world. They wrote a 100-year plan for radical Islam to infiltrate and dominate the West and establish an Islamic government on earth. In the counterterrorism circles, this plan became known as the project. I allude to it and discuss it in my book, Cries. What makes the project so unique is it gives tactics and proposals as to how to infiltrate the West, how to use our laws against us, how to use our open-mindedness against us. They even give words that do you use against Westerners to disarm them. And you want to know what those words are? Diversity, <laughs> multiculturalism, uh, interfaith, dialogue. They say if you use these words, Westerners will be lapping out of your hands like dogs. 
because they know, they understand our culture. They know that once you use these buzzwords, what are you going to say? We don't agree with, with diversity? Of, you and I are the first people to agree with diversity. You and I are the first people to respect and celebrate our multiculturalism. This is what we love about our country. Look, I'm getting ready to go eat dinner after this interview. I know I'm going to drive down the street. I have options to eat Mexican food, Lebanese food, Japanese food, Chinese food, Vietnamese food. I love that. You're making me hungry. So. If it wasn't for our multiculturalism, <laughs> we wouldn't have all that. That's the wonderful aspect of multiculturalism. But we do not want nor respect people weaponizing our multiculturalism and our diversity against us. And that's why the Bible says, be as kind as dove and as wise as serpents. We have perfected the be as kind as dove part because we are a kind society. But we are forgetting to be as wise as serpents. And we need to recognize when our enemy is using buzzwords against us, uh, where we need to stand up and say, okay, I respect the concept of diversity and multiculturalism and dialogue, but I refuse to roll down and play dead when I realize that they are being weaponized against me. I spoke to a an evangelical pastor recently travels the countries. He's spoken to uh, a lot of Muslims, and he says that uh, they tell him they don't want Sharia in America. They want to live in peace, and I'm inclined to believe him. Are we being naive? There are a lot of Muslims in America who do not want Sharia law in America. Those are not the ones we are concerned about. Just like on 9-11 in America, we had 2.3 million Muslims in the United States. It took only 19 hijackers to bring America down to its knees, destroy the World Trade Center, attack the Pentagon, and kill almost 3,000 Americans on that day. The 2.3 million people were not the people we were worried about. They didn't do it. They may supported it, some of them by their silence. Certainly the mosques where the 19 hijackers belonged, Obviously, somebody knew that they were up to something, agreed with their radicalism. They must have seen the signs. Nobody said anything. So I do believe that there's a lot of Muslims in America who do not want Sharia law, who escaped the Middle East and thought, I don't want to have anything to do with it. But there are those in America who do want Sharia law and Sharia courts in the United States. And those are the ones that we are concerned about. There was a very famous case in New Jersey in 2010 where a Pakistani man was raping his wife up to four times a day mm. and abusing her, torturing her. Mm. She went to court to get a restraining order against her husband. The judge refused to give her a restraining order because her husband said, I'm Pakistani and under my law, my wife is my property and under my law, I'm justified in doing whatever I want to do to my wife. Pakistani law is Sharia law. The judge for a year refused to give the woman a restraining order against her husband because he wanted Sharia law and he used the religion as cover. It took an appellate court to overturn the decision. It took her a year. This is in New Jersey. New Jersey. One is too many. We do not want women in America to ever have to face that. If you're a Pakistani and you want to be judged under Pakistani law, you need to go live in Pakistan. In America, the Constitution is the highest law of the land. And this is why we pass bills to make sure that it remains so. And no other law that is not compatible with the U.S. Constitution should be allowed to be used in any American courtroom. What does the election of uh, 
Ilan, Omar, and Rashida Tlaib beam for the United States. Does it signal that Islam's influence in American politics is greater than we think? Absolutely. This should be an eye-opener to Americans who sat on the sidelines and said, oh, radical Islam, these radicals are over there. Because radicalism takes many forms and many shapes. There are those who want to blow us up, and there are those political activists who are working politically to advance uh, their ideology or their uh, point of view. We're not against Muslims. You know, in America, it doesn't matter what your religion is. You can run for office as long as you are running to represent the people of the United States and represent the Constitution of the United States and fight to protect America, preserving her and protecting her from anybody else regardless. And it doesn't matter what country you immigrated from. When we all became Americans, we went to the courthouse, me included, held my right hand up and said, I pledge allegiance to the United States, forsaking all other countries. My loyalty is to the United States. So any legalized, naturalized American pledges that pledge. So we're not against Muslims per se running for office as anybody else should be able to run for office. Our problem is, is when you see people like Rashida Tlaib who says, I want to be a voice to the Palestinian people. A voice to the Palestinian people? You live in the United States. You are elected by people, Americans in the United States. You should be, your number one priority should be to be a voice to your constituents of the United States, not a voice for the Palestinian people. You want to be a voice for any other nations, any other national, and any other government. Maybe you should consider moving over there and running on their platform to represent them and their nation. In the United States, when you are a polit political official, you represent the people of the United States who elected you and not any other nation. The same thing with Ilhan Omar. Ilhan Omar's loyalty should be to the United States. An elected member of Congress should believe that America is great, that our love and passion for America is greater than our love and passion for any other country or any other people in the world and should behave to represent the best interest of the United States. Right now in Congress, we have two members of Congress, at least the newly elected radicals, a uh, member of the squad of four, but the two radical members of Congress who were elected hate America, are embarrassed of America. They are on the side of our enemies much more than they are on the side of America. And that's concerning. And what's even more concerning is people hear only about Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar. Do you know that in the last election, we had 50 Muslims win elections and seats across the country? 50. Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar are the only one making the news. We had people winning on the federal level, the municipality level, the state level, and the judicial level. I think we had six on the judicial level. That's what should be concerning. What's even more concerning than the two in Congress, 50 elected nationwide on all levels of our government, is the fact that they were funded, that they were supported by organizations like CARE, the Council on American Islamic Relations, who is an unindicted co-conspirator in the largest terrorism financing trial in the history of the United States, and then the funding by groups, of new groups of political activist, political Islamic organizations who are raising money with the sole purpose of funding and electing Muslims to offices all over the nation on all levels. It seems as though, and I think it you and I would both agree that the election of these two representatives signals that America is more accepting of anti-Semitism, of anti-Christian bigotry, that it could conceivably pave the way for 
America to turn its back on its great ally, Israel. Do you see it that way? I do. Because what Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, and Linda Sarsour, who is not an elected official, but she's the co-chair of the Women's March. Remember she organized the Women's March right. after President Trump became president? They have normalized anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism was always here in one form or another. Sure. Now it has become fashionable within the progressive community and the progressive movement. They have normalized anti-Semitism, hatred of Jews, bigotry, intolerance of anybody opposing their views. They have normalized demeaning women. So this is why we are concerned. And yes, they are normalizing it. Um, it's becoming mainstream. They are proud of it. And they feel they're doing something good for their community and those who elected them. This is why they are so proud to be able to lead a delegation to the Palestinian Authority and to Hamas to visit Hamas because they want to show how Israel is committing crimes against humanity. The same crimes against humanity they accuse President Trump of committing when he is standing up to securing our border. So that's what we're dealing with and that's why we should be very concerned. But you're exposing that through actforamerica.org. Not only exposing their behavior, but we are also working and mobilizing people who love our country, who believe in the foundations, the Judeo-Christian foundation that we have, who believe that we should love our enemy, pray for our enemy, uh, take in those who are needy, but at the same time be wise in who we're bringing into our country, standing up and preserving our values and our culture, standing up and passing bills and helping pass bills that will protect the country so we can continue to be a country that has open arms and welcome immigrants to our country, those who are going to maintain and keep America the great nation that it is that was founding by our founding fathers. We do not want America to become a Venezuela. We do not want America to become a lawless country because we want to make sure that the new generation of America, way after you and I are gone, Mom, that the new generation would live in an America the way the America that you and I were, you were born into, the America that I immigrated to, that they can pass it to their future generations. So new immigrants from other parts of the world can come to America and, and enjoy what you and I are enjoying right now. You brought up the Muslim Brotherhood earlier, and I'm just a little concerned about how much influence the Muslim Brotherhood will have in the 2020 election. Wow, this is a loaded question, but thank you for asking it because it's important. I, and I'm going to go back to speaking about the Muslim Brotherhood project that I mentioned to you yes. that they wrote a 100-year plan and they give tactics and proposals as to how to infiltrate the West and how to dominate the West, how to get democratically elected Muslims on all levels in the West. This is a Muslim Brotherhood plan that was written specifically for the destruction of the United States and subversion of the United States. It's titled in Arabic, مذكرة تفسيرية للهدف الاستراتيجي العام للجماعة في أمريكا الشمالية. And it means... I think I got that. You got that. <laughs> the strategic plan, I have it here in Arabic and in English, for the Muslim Brotherhood plan in North America, actually written in 522, 1991. This was written in 1991, 10 years prior to 9-11. But what's most important, what they talk about in this plan is how to get, how to set up nonprofit organization and human rights organization and maintain the appearance of moderation to advance the radical Islamic agenda in the West. They talk about how to get democratically elected Muslims on all levels in the West. They talk about how to put the interns in government 
governmental offices so they can have a bird's eye view as to how policy is done on the highest levels. Everything that they talk about is basically cultural warfare, not political warfare, not terrorism. But the most important page of this uh, document. This document was introduced as evidence, by the way, uh, by our government when they sued the Holy Land Foundation, uh, one of the largest Islamic charities in the United States. Um, that trial happened in 2007 in Dallas, Texas, the largest terrorism financing trial in the history of the United States, where our government handed down 108 guilty verdicts for Muslim American and Muslim American organizations raising money in America to finance terrorism. So in this trial, in the last page of this, which was presented as evidence, it lists 29 front organizations set up in America for the destruction of America to do cultural warfare. Uh, who are front for the Muslim Brotherhood. Number one on the list is ISNA, Islamic Society of North America. They are funding elected officials right now running for office. Their members are donating to the likes of Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar and all the future Muslim elected officials who are running for Congress. Republicans or and Democrats. Republicans and Democrats. Number two on the list is the MSA, the Muslim Student Association. By the way, the Muslim Student Association has more chapters on American college campuses than the Democrats and the Republicans combined. They are the political activists who are knocking on door, passing flyers, and promoting these candidates who are running for office. Muslims running for office. Nate, the North American Islamic Trust, which owns the deed to the majority of mosques in the United States, are passing literature on who to vote for in these mosques to support these candidates. Number 22 on the list is IAP, Islamic Association for Palestine, which later became CARE, Council on American Islamic Relations. Those are the front organizations in the United States who are supporting, mobilizing their people, uh, donating money to these elected officials or candidates running for office. So if you see CARE or any of these Islamic organizations standing up and promoting any candidate, these are your antennas as to who's running and why we need to be concerned about them. So much more we could talk about, but I, I do want to bring up a couple things locally. We've had a situation in one of the suburbs where a public elected official has brought to light some issues related to Islam, and now that public official is being demonized as Islamophobic, as a fear monger, and groups will come to... Uh, public meetings, demand her resignation. How do you respond to that? What should people who are in this position, who expose what's happening, how do they defend themselves? How can we come alongside them? We need to stand up and develop a backbone that when our one of us is attacked, we all rally and stand up with them. You see what happens in conservative circles. When one of our own is attacked, we all hide behind the bush. We all hide behind the chair. We do not stand with them. We actually are the first people to stand and attack them along with the left. The left, on the other hand, not only they create lies and attack you and slap labels, because they know what, how are you going to come back against labels? when they call you a racist, a bigot, and an Islamophobe. When you are speaking about facts, they're not arguing with facts. We live in a society today where everything is about soundbite, 140 characters or less, you know, Twitter, social media, Facebook, Instagram. We live in an age where it's all image, soundbites. So we need to be able 
how to convey our facts and sound bites and we need to be able to stand up and stand with that elected official and say okay so you call her an islamophobe and i do not know what elected official you're referring to or what she said but you call this elected official an islamophobe what did she say that's islamophobic can you argue with her facts okay so let's say she's an islamophobe what about what she said is it true you know can you support it and what we want our people to do is when you show up when this elected official is being attacked in a town hall show up to the town hall the left mobilized people to show up to a town hall meeting why don't you show up as well when they stand up and ask a question and challenge the elected official you stand up and change and 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 ask a question and answer them publicly become engaged our people are not engaged on that level and the, if i can give one advice to people who are concerned about this country you need to stand up and be counted you need to develop the courage to stand up and speak up it's not enough to just show up to a meeting and sit and listen to a speaker have a have a rubber chicken lunch <laughs> you know compare notes show up people you know what you're wearing you know network with your friends and hear a speaker and everybody leaves the meeting thinking oh look at this we did a great job what a great event we pulled off we heard the great speaker we'll meet next month next tuesday 12 noon another rubber chicken lunch that's what our side does the left is mobilized is organized they get their friends together they don't sit together with 400 people attending a lunch meeting they meet at their breakfast nook we're going to sit down we're going to make a list of all our city council people who do we need to get rid of who do we need to keep who do we want to run for uh, a state board or a school board that's how they organize our people show up and listen to speakers we need organized groups in small groups to understand how they mobilize in the community start a group develop it in your church in your office i'm sure there are members in your office who feel the same way you do get together after work at five o'clock have a snack and a cup of coffee and say okay we're going to meet once a month last tuesday of every month we're going to get together and let's discuss what's happening in the community what other groups can we reach out to what other groups can we network let's map our community how many tea parties do we have how many republican parties do we have how many patriotic parties do we have how many uh concerned parties do we have let's not work with them let's meet them let's see who's out there let's come together let's see what they're doing that's what we need to do to network to make a difference and i encourage people again to go to our website actforamerica.org and become engaged sign up to get our emails and sign up as an activist and we'll connect you with members in your community this islamic indoctrination we're seeing it in our public taxpayer funded government schools seeing it on college campuses and even in christian schools boy how do we counter that if they have a hijab day what should we do all the parents need to organize and you need to have a kippah day or a cross day and if i already said what are they going what is the school going to do they're going to say oh no you cannot have that you cannot have a christian day at school because it's offensive why not we have a hijab day why can't you let us have a christian day or why can't you let us have a kippa day we want all males to walk around with kippas on their head because we want to experience what it's like to be jewish after all this is the foundation faith of all the abrahamic uh, uh faith we're going to learn about religion and we're going to learn the importance of wearing a kippa what is the school going to say see our side doesn't think out of the box they don't think about we're going to have a kippa day at school or we're going to have a cross day a modesty day we're going to have uh what catholic girls you know ladies put on uh, you know the scarf that they put on their hair when they go to class this is the type of stuff we need to do now not that the school is going to agree with it but you want to create a controversy 
and awareness in your community. Because if we can have a hijab day, why can't we have any other day? Why is the discrimination? Then if you cannot allow me to have a kippa day at school, then if I'm not allowed to do that, then you shouldn't have a hijab day. You want to nip that in the bud? Come up with another idea where they're not going to allow you to do it. Then you have basis to say, if we're not allowed to do this, you're not allowed to do that. Then the school says, okay, nobody does anything. You're a victim of censorship from social media. YouTube doesn't like you, Facebook, etc. Uh, Act for America, the work of Act for America. Is it time for big government to step in and take action against the social media monopoly? I think we already have precedent of the government stepping in and taking over monopolies set up by corporations where they became so big that they dominated the marketplace. Look, we wouldn't have Apple today if the government didn't step in when technology and computers and everything and Microsoft was dominating everything. I mean, when you look throughout our history, as big industry developed, at one point, the government had to step in and regulate the industry. I think we are at this point in our tech industry where we are seeing tech giants play God and manipulate information. Because we are a society built on the individual making up their own mind to decide what's best for them. We don't have the Church of England deciding what's best for us. We don't have dictators deciding what's best for us, telling us what we should believe and we should not believe. In America today, America is founded on the individual being able to think for themselves and come up with their own opinion and conclusion based on their own research and finding. So when you go to Google and you're trying to research something and Google is acting as God, filtering what information Google seemed that you are allowed, deems that you are allowed to see or not see, then they took away your right as an individual to be able to be exposed to information to decide for yourself what is good for you. Then Google is acting as God, as a filter, as a dictator, filtering information coming back to you. What's the difference between Google and uh, Hugo Chavez? What's the difference between Google and uh, Ahmadinejad or the Iranian mullahs in Iran? What's the difference between Google and the Chinese government filtering what their own people can see? And we do not want to become that part of a society. I googled Act for America and Act for America Southern Poverty Law Center came up. Okay, their, their response to your organization. So uh, let's wrap things up here. How do we get beyond the social media and help the work of Act for America? What can folks do? Great question. The easiest thing, the first thing that folks can do is go to actforamerica.org and sign up to get our emails. At least, if you just want to sit and read and be informed about the issue, go to actforamerica.org, sign up to get our emails. They're free, they don't cost anything. But we named the organization ACT for America for a reason. I named the organization ACT for America. Not think about America, not wish for America, not hope for America, not get educated about America, not pray for America. You can do all that and you should, but without taking action, nothing happens. 
sign up to become an activist go to actforamerica.org and sign up to become an activist all you need to do is when we send you an email about taking action on something with the click of a button you can send an email that's already pre-written for you to your elected official you didn't even have to think about the subject we notify you of bills coming down for a vote how many people say oh i wish i knew my elected official was going to vote on this bill i would have said something wouldn't you like to be notified about a bill before it's voted on sure. not after we notify you if you sign up as an activist because we send emails to our activists more than we send to our general who just want to read info so become an activist it doesn't cost you anything it's free become an activist at act for america if you want to help even more if you feel like this information have really lit your fire to become passionate for our country to make a difference stand with us financially become a patriot partner the left has sorrows and what makes the left so well organized is their people walk their talk they donate even a dollar even five dollars you have young people who don't even have money who says i'm pledging five dollars to obama i'm pledging five dollars to organizing for action i'm pledging five dollars to camilla harris i'm pledging they give even from what little they have we need our people to match their passion with their action if you're passionate about helping organizations like ours who are making a difference in the country and passing bills stand with us financially at whatever level at least sign up to get our emails and become an act Brigitte uh, thank you so much God bless you and your work Act for America where can people pick up your books thank you people can get our books from all bookstore my book uh, Barnes and Nobles Amazon.com etc or even better they can go to actforamerica.org and for a donate a tax deductible donation they can get the book and be able to help the organization at the same time and for a hundred dollars they get it autographed tax deductible there you go <laughs> well thank you so much god bless thank you. and thank you folks for tuning in remember to tell a friend about uh, illinois family spotlight and until next time god be with you Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize.